Good morning. It's good to see all of you today on this rainy and thundery day that God has blessed us with to water the grass and the flowers. Uh, thank you for those of you that are joining us online or maybe you're watching later on demand. Uh, we're just honored that you're giving up an hour of your week to spend time with us and most importantly to let God speak into your heart and your life. And uh, as you heard in the video, if you're a guest, thank you once again for just checking us out and seeing if this is a place that God would have you call home. If you're here in person, I'll be right through those doors after the service. I'd love to just wave and say thanks for joining us today. Or if you're watching online, please don't uh, be afraid to, to join in the chat or uh, let us know what it is that we can do for you today. Uh, as today, we are in a series of messages, a three-part sermon series that we are calling This Is How We Roll. Don't you like that? This is how we roll. And so whether you've been at Shepherd's Gate for the 41 years that we've existed, or 30, or 20, or you've been here for three seconds, uh, this is really cool because what you're learning about is the vision that we believe that God has placed on our heart. And we actually launched uh, this new mission and vision back in January of 2020. And it really is the DNA of our church. Our church has always been about the things that we're reviewing. And so today we're going to take one step further. We're going to look at the second part of our vision statement. Uh, but also what we're doing in this sermon series is we're taking parables of Jesus. And so we're looking at three different parables. And parables is just another way of saying a story. And Jesus loved to tell stories to connect with his audience. It was how they taught back then. It, it was a way for him to drive home his points. And if you don't know anything about parables or the teaching of Jesus, oftentimes he would grossly exaggerate his parables because he really wanted people to understand what he was driving home. So today we're going to look at a really interesting parable. Some of you might be familiar with, some of you might not. Uh, and it's kind of cool because Jesus actually starts by teaching. And so he actually teaches them. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like maybe it's sinking in. He goes ahead and follows it up with a parable to reinforce what he had just taught. But before we get into that, as we look at this world that we find ourselves in, and kind of to set up Jesus' teaching in this parable, I want to start by just asking you some questions, just to get our brains going this morning, right? Just to kind of get things moving up there and get us into this. Let me ask you this first question. What is it about the human condition that causes us to be so self-centered and self-focused? Why are we so selfish? Got quiet in here. <laughs> JJ, how's the online people? Did the chat come to a stop? What is it? No one knows. What is it? Sin? The Bible? Survival. Oh, survival. Okay, just trying to make it, right? All right, what else? Ego, Ego human nature. Yeah, it, it's just interesting to me. It's just, I don't know why. It's just, you, you just study human nature, you study people. Um, some people, you, like, you never have a conversation with somebody and you ask them like 40 questions about what they're doing and their life and their family, and then the conversation just ends. Like they don't ever ask a question back. No one else ever experiences that? <laughs> if that's you, you might want to start asking other people questions. Or when we go places and you just see kind of like even driving down the roads, we all know that 23 in Hayes is a complete hot mess right now, right? And we all know that 25 in Romeo Plank is a complete hot mess. In fact, anywhere in Michigan that has those orange cones is a complete hot mess. And it's amazing how you're, everyone's stuck. No one can go anywhere, and people will ride the person's bumper in front of them just to not let another car in. Literally shaving off, what, four seconds of time? 
I mean, literally, it, it's just the way that, that sometimes we are, and we all fall into this trap. We just become conditioned to be focused on ourselves. And then you think, okay, maybe the church is the answer to this. Maybe the church can be the place where people go to and find rest and, and realize that there's more to life than just focusing on ourselves and building our own kingdoms and, and focusing everything on, on what we can do about making ourselves happy in this world. And then you read the headlines, the Christian news headlines, and you find out that the church in America is in decline. It's in a free fall. And this is across denominational lines, this is in non-denominational churches, the fastest growing segment of, of people's beliefs are actually the people that don't believe anything, atheists or agnostics, people that maybe there's a God out there, but I'm not sure it's really Jesus, and I'm not sure if I really want to, you know, say that it's one religion or one God over another. Why is this happening? Why are we in decline? Does this bother anybody? Does this keep anybody up at night? Like, this just makes me wonder, okay, God, what is it that, that we can do here in little old Shelby Township, right? We used to be called Disco, I think, back in the day. Charter Township of Shelby, 80,000 people. Yet we're connected to Macomb and Clinton and Rochester, and we have people from all over as far north as Lapeer, all the way out into uh, different areas of the West. God, why are we in decline? And are we willing to do something about it? Got quiet on me. Okay, I got, thank you, Marianne. I got a head nod over here. Are we willing to do something about it? Now, our mission statement, as you saw, our vision, our mission, I'm screwing them up. Vision statement is everyone, everywhere, everything. And so today we're looking at this whole idea of everywhere that Jesus has called us to go everywhere. Okay? Scriptures are easy. Jesus said, therefore, and make disciples everywhere. Go everywhere. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to what? Even the dogs, right? The cats, no, you don't need to worry about them, but even all create everyone. <laughs> Sorry, Marianne, that was because of you. I know, she still loves me. And so we just said that's what we want to be part of here at Shepherd's Gate. We want to be a church that's not afraid to go out and to share Jesus with others. And so will you say our mission statement with me? Let's do this together. We exist to impact the world with the love of Jesus. We said that's going to be the mark on the wall. That's going to be the target that we're going to go after. That we're not going to be just focused on what happens here at Shepherd's Gate and kind of circle our wagons and hope we get through this pandemic or hope we get through this storm or hope we get through whatever is happening in our state and our country and our world. No, we want to exist to impact, to have an impact, a positive impact on those around us. And we said the way that we're going to do that is by having this as our vision statement, that we will value everyone we meet, that we will influence everywhere we go, and then next week, as we look at this, we will live generously with everything that we have. And so I hope that stirs something in your heart. I hope that every time you hear these words, and you're like, here he goes again, making us say the mission and vision statement. I hope that that fires you up about what this church is about and what it is that we believe God has called us to do as we head into the future. So again, let's go to God's word. Let's look at this parable, these, this teaching of Jesus and I think we're just all going to leave here encouraged today. So there's chair Bibles right in front of you if you want to grab one and turn to page 873. If you're watching online, if you're in the chat, there's a little tab that says Bible. You can click on that. And we are going to be in Luke's Gospel. 
Luke chapter 14, if you brought your own Bible. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now this is intriguing because oftentimes when Jesus is interacting with the religious leaders, he's out teaching crowds and they just happen to be there kind of eavesdropping, hanging on his every word, trying to catch something because they didn't want to believe that he was actually the son of God, even though he was claiming to be the son of God. Well, in this context, isn't this interesting? He's actually dining at his house. And not only is this guy a Pharisee, and if you don't know what that is, that's one of the religious leaders of the time. This is one of the rulers of the Pharisees. So this guy has money. This guy has influence. This guy has power. And he's inviting Jesus into his house. So imagine Jesus going into this house and seeing that he probably had one of the nicest houses on the blocks, right? I mean, he's probably a fluent guy. He's got everything going on for him. Other people look up to him, and he's got some of his friends there. And I want us to jump now to verse 7. It says this, Now he told the parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. And so he says this, when you are invited, so here's the teaching part first, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Least someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give us your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Imagine that. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Isn't that an interesting concept? How many of us, when you're, when you're invited to someone's house, you wait to see where everybody else sits? Anybody ever do that? Or you'll ask people, where do you want me to sit? I think that's kind of the custom in, in our place, right? Because you don't want to take dad's chair, do you? <laughs> you don't want to take mama bear's chair because you don't know if she's got a certain place or, you know, oftentimes if, if there's a strategic spot that she needs to sit in. And so he's telling them this. Hey, you know, he's looking around. He sees who's invited and he's giving them these words. And then here's a little teaching point for him. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Live your life in humility. Don't live a selfish life. Live a life looking around and seeing other people around you and valuing them as much as you value yourself. And interesting enough that Jesus taught this point over and over again. And Paul, who wrote all the letters to the churches, kept repeating the same thing over and over again. Value others than yourself. Put others above yourself. Live in humility in this world that you've been placed in. And it's interesting because he goes on in verse 12. He says to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner, okay, now there's a specific teaching just for this guy. When you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Doesn't that sound like a fun dinner party? I don't have to invite those relatives I don't like anymore. No, he says, let's all... In, let, but least they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Think of that. 
Think of that, like here, here, Jesus, I invited you to my house. Now all of a sudden you're telling me you don't like the people I invited. Now all of a sudden you're telling me not to invite the people that are closest to me and that I normally have over my home. Now you want me to go and find complete strangers? People that, that have disabilities, people that have fallen on hard times, people that can't afford things on their own, and you want me to bring them into my house? And you want me to feed them, and you want me to entertain them, and you want me to have conversations with them, and you want me to build relationships with them? And what is Jesus saying back? Yes. Yes. Who is it in our lives? Who are the people in our lives that, that, that don't have friends, that don't have connections, that, that have fallen on hard times? And so often we do this as well. We just kind of overlook those people. The opportunities that maybe we would even have to engage with people that God has placed in our paths. It's interesting, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And maybe not those specific things, but we all know what he's trying to drive home here in this point. Well, what's interesting is that he goes on to say this, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, this is when he kicks into the story. Ready for this? This is when he kicks into the parable. Maybe there's an opportunity for me to go a little bit further and explain this just a little bit more. And so he says, a man once gave a great banquet. Here's my made-up story. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time... For the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Everything, all the drinks, all the food. I got the band, I got the ponies, I got the decorations, I got everything that we could possibly need. Come on in, let's have this huge party. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now watch this, right? Made up story by Jesus. He's going to grossly exaggerate this. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Well, I bought a house. I have to go check out the house I bought. Or I bought a business. I got to go check out. I bought this land. I got to go do this. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Five. You know how expensive this is? And I go and examine them. Please have me Oh, here, right, this is getting good because this is going to get personal. Ready for this? And another said, I have married a wife. <laughs> you don't understand the struggle, right? I just got married. I have waited a long time to be married, and therefore, he doesn't even ask to be excused. Sorry, buddy, I'm not coming to your party. I'm going on my honeymoon. I'm establishing my life. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And what is it that Jesus is driving home in this parable? What are the three things as you read this that pop through for us today? What do you think? What does, and I'll help you here, what does the field represent? What do these yoke of oxen represent? What do our families represent? All of their excuses, think about this. What were the excuses he listed? My possessions. All these things that I've worked so hard for, are they mine or are they God's? Do we own our houses or do God own our houses? What's the answer? God. Right. What about our money, our bank accounts? Do we own our bank accounts or does God own our bank accounts? That one got a little quieter than the first one. <laughs> Here, God, you can have my mortgage, but my bank account... How about this one? I'm too busy. I had too many kids. 
Someone told me recently, you don't understand, you only have two kids. You have to have three or more kids to understand how crazy life is. And I was like, is that a thing? Apparently that's a thing. You got more than three? Your life's just nuts. You're just trying to survive. God, I don't have time for you. I don't have time to do what it is that you've called me to do. There's just too many things vying for my attention. Think about it. What excuses do people use to reject and push God out of their lives? Why is the church in decline? Why are there people that have walked away from our church in the last 18 months? You know, oftentimes we don't talk about that. We celebrate the people that God is bringing and we're so grateful that God continues to bring people here and we have another new member class that, that just finished up classes that are going to be getting interviews and going to be standing before you and joining our church and we always celebrate that. See, it's a lot harder to talk about those that have kind of fallen away. And I'm not talking about falling away in the fact of going to other churches. I'm talking about falling away and not even going to any church. What happened? What went wrong? What was the offense? What is it that's dragging them away? And what is it in our lives that we have to be careful of? That so often we can use as excuses to push God out of our lives and say, God, I can handle this on my own. God, I've gotten to this age and I've gotten to this season. I kind of got everything set up the way that I need it. So God, I don't know if I need you as much as maybe I did in my 20s or my 30s or my 40s. Kind of got things just right. And you hear the heartbeat of God in this passage. You hear the heartbeat of God. Here he is, he's reclining at a table. He's eating this guy's incredible buffet of food. <laughs> and he's already given him a lesson and now he's talking to this other guy that happens to be reclining with him. And look at what happens next. As he continues his story, he says, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, what does he do? He becomes angry. And whenever Jesus talks about emotions and parables, I don't know why, it just triggers me. Like, I just zoom in on that. And it says to his servant, go out and go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Same list that he used with the guy when he was doing the teaching at the beginning. Go, and then watch. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. There's still room for more people to be reached. There's still more people that we get to share Jesus with. There's still more people that we get to go and just be in their presence and build relationships with, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's who brings us to faith, that they would be able to be touched by the very gospel that has touched our lives. And look at the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges. Where's Ron? Ron, are you in here, right? Go out to the highways and the hedges. Go out to Shelby Township and Macomb Township and Rochester and Detroit and wherever else and compel people, compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Man, here's Jesus preaching the gospel to us that he is the savior of the world, that he's the one that's going to go on the cross and stretch out his arms and die for us and rise from the dead, that he could defeat sin, death, and the devil so that you and I can experience eternal life. And he wants everyone to know this. He wants these religious leaders, these Pharisees to know this. He wants them to see uh, the truth and to have a change of heart and lives. And he wants the poor and the marginalized. And he wants everybody in between 
Jesus is all about everyone and giving everyone an opportunity to get to know him and everyone experiencing the hope and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the peace that we experience in a relationship with Jesus. This is the heartbeat of God. Man, there's still room. There's still more to be reached. There's still more people that need to hear the hope they can have in Jesus. This world has nothing to offer them. Did you know that? This world really, truly has nothing to offer them. And that's the problem. So many things, so many things to get caught up in our lives. And yet the one true hope, the one true peace is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? But he ends by saying this. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Wow. Man. Jesus. What are you talking about here? He's saying that the invite goes out and many people will hear it. But unfortunately, there are people that come up with excuses. There's people that have already built their kingdoms on this earth and so they don't see any need for, for being part of God's kingdom and his grace and his mercy and he says, those that, that reject this are not going to taste the banquet. They're not going to taste heaven. See, there is an actual heaven and hell. There is an eternity that we spend after our time here on earth, our short, really, really short time that God has given us here on this earth. Man, reading something like this, hearing the words of Jesus so often, it's humbling. It's a reminder that not everyone is going to be in heaven with us. And how do we respond to that? I bet you have family members. I bet you have neighbors. I bet you have friends that you know that are continuing to run from God. And isn't it great that God continues to run after them? That God is not going to stop pursuing every human heart on this planet? from the person that's caught up in legalism that thinks they have all the answers and that they're living exactly the way they should and they're basically a modern-day Pharisee, to the person that thinks they're completely worthless and God would never love them because of all the sins and all the garbage that's in their life. And yet God says, I love them both equally and my Holy Spirit will never stop pursuing them and bringing them back to me to the foot of the cross so that I can introduce them to, to the loving arms of God the Father and wrap those arms around them and remind them how loved and valued they really are and that Jesus died for them just as he died for everyone else. That's the gospel. That's the heartbeat of God. See, our calling isn't to save people. Did you know that? This is a big relief. We're not going to debate someone into, into believing in Jesus. We're also not going to argue someone into believing with Jesus. Our calling is to share our lives with people. Just as Jesus with his three years, three years, imagine that, of ministry was willing to go to this man's house to be around his guest, to sit at his table, to eat his food, and to drink his wine and to fellowship with him because he values people. And even as you heard, as we keep approaching this date that we've been doing for so many years now here at Shepherd's Gate and step out and serve, we don't go out to just do landscaping for people so that their neighbors think that they have nice landscaping. Do you know that? We step out and serve others to share Jesus. 
It's an excuse, but it's a good excuse to hopefully open the door that someone's heart would be softened because a lot of these sites are people that don't go to church and they're not connected to Shepherd's Gate. And I'm always amazed year after year how many of these sites we go to and the impact is actually made on the neighbors that are watching a bunch of people do work on somebody else's house that they don't even know. And the domino effect that happens because that's the Holy Spirit that works. The Holy Spirit goes and prepares the way. He prepares the sites. He does all of the work on the spiritual level. We just go and be obedient to whatever he's called us to do and we do it with gladness in our hearts. So we give up a weekend, or we give up a day, or we give up a few hours, or we do whatever it is that God has called us to do. See, I honestly believe we have no idea how one moment might impact someone with the love of Jesus. Today at the 1045 service, I get to baptize three little kids. And this family, this single mom, who's part of our church, she's been part of our church for the last several months. And you know why she's here? Because someone at Shepherd's Gate invested in her. And a co-worker that was willing to have conversations with her. And talk about God and talk about religion and talk about faith. And said, I go to this church called Shepherd's Gate. You're more than welcome to come check it out with me. And you know what? She did. And here it is that God is working in her life. And isn't it interesting that over the time that they were coming and attending church, her kids saw other kids getting baptized. And said, Mom, are we baptized? And she said, no, why not? Can we get baptized? She's like, I don't know, let me ask. Isn't that cool? That, the, that it's still working, that the gospel is still at work, that Holy Spirit is still at work and calling people and God is still bringing people into his family? Man, I hope we get charged up and fired up. I hope we never get tired of hearing the testimonies of what God is doing in our midst. See, we're able to influence everywhere we go because we carry the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart and in your life. Everywhere you go, you carry the presence of Jesus. And you never know the influence that you could have on someone's life. And again, just talking about the trends in churches and even in our own denomination that, that we're connected here as we're part of a network of churches. And something happened just not long ago, about a month ago. Our, our denomination closed the doors of a church, of a presence that we had in Sterling Heights at 17 in Dodge Park. And my heart broke as they sold, as the congregation was disbanded and they sold the building and the property. And you think to yourself, man, what is going on? God, how do we be part of, of stopping this, of reversing this? I actually called our, our district office and I said, is there anything that maybe if this happens again, you can just give Shepherd's Gate a heads up? Like, we're kind of crazy over here in Shelby Township. <laughs> maybe we can help some churches that are on the verge of closing their doors. Maybe we can just create some satellites that we've always talked about creating. Maybe there's some ways we can work. Maybe there's something that, can you at least let us try for like three months, six months, nine months, 12 months? and see if maybe we can turn it around or we can get it, you know, healthy again or whatever it is that we could do. I hate seeing churches close. I don't, it, it, oh man, it tears me up. And you think to yourself, do the statistics, do the research. You got all these pastors that are getting ready to tire because the average age of a pastor in a denomination is 65 years old. And you think, what is going to happen? 
Where could we be positioned? God, what is it that you would do here at Shepherd's Gate? Because at the end of the day, our goal is that more and more people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whatever that may be. God, where are your satellites? Where are you going to put these churches? What is it that we could do? What are we willing to sacrifice? That's why I asked you at the beginning, what are we willing to do about it? And are we a community that is going to roll up our sleeves and be all in? Be all in for the gospel. Personalize it for you this morning. Where is everywhere for you? Where is it? Is it your family? How are those relationships going? We kind of had a busy week at my household this week. We had all of Lisa's out-of-town family in town starting on Monday. Her parents are going to be here for the next service. They're now in Florida, so they're up from Florida. Her sister and her brother-in-law, who don't profess faith in Jesus, they were in from Virginia. And then all of my family decided to come in town Friday. You know the worst thing you can do is have both sets of family in town at the same time, right? That's what you call really good planning. We have had so many conversations, so many meals. I have gained 15 pounds this week. I mean, because it's what you do, right? You just eat and talk, eat and talk, eat and talk. Where is everywhere for you? Is it your family? Is it your place of work? Is it the neighborhood? Is it some place that maybe God you know is breaking your heart and saying, come on, just give me a little bit of your time. Just sit with this person. Just listen to this person. Just value this person. And watch and let me do the work that I do as the Holy Spirit. I just need you to be there. I just need you to value them. I need you to put an arm around them and let them know that you care. So that's what I want us to do today. Think of a person that's living on the fringe of our society that God has placed in your life. And ask the Holy Spirit, what can you do to reflect the heart of God? Maybe it's this week. Or here, I'll make it easy. We'll give you till the end of the month. How's that sound? Say, God, where is that? What would you call me to do? God, we love you. And we thank you. He's such an amazing, merciful God, isn't he? And if you're here today and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're checking this out, maybe you've walked away from the faith, maybe you're watching online and, you're, and this is like the last step. You started in the front row, you went to the last row, now you're watching online and you're thinking about watch, walking away from it all. Can I just tell you the Holy Spirit is speaking to you guys that are watching online as well? God doesn't want anyone to walk away. God is stirring all of us to himself. His love and his grace and his mercy continues to be at work in this world. He's calling you. He's inviting you to his banquet. He's inviting you to his table. And he wants to whisper in your ear once again, I love you. And I have never stopped working in your life. No matter what your past has been, no matter what you're experiencing now, I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to hold you close. I want to fill you with my presence once again. Amen. Amen. I'm going to prepare our hearts.
to receive Holy Communion this morning. So if you wouldn't mind grabbing your communion elements, and if you're a guest this morning, our communion guidelines are on the screen. If you're watching online, know that you too can confess your sins and receive God's grace and forgiveness in your life. If you didn't get one of the communion elements on the way in, if you could just raise your hand, the ushers will come around and they'll hand one to you. They're already prepared to do that. And if you need a gluten-free option, okay, we've got a couple right here, just let them know and they'll get you that as well. But this morning as we end our time together, let's do that. Let's let God wash over us once again. Rattle us in a good way. Bring us close to him. Remind us what our true purpose is on this earth. So you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you continue to do in our midst. God, and even though there's still so much uncertainty and things continue to change all around us and we just want things to stop, we just want some sense of normalcy, God, only you know what the future holds, but we are so thankful that you hold us.